No Judgments here, your weekly dose of music news, tour news, album reviews, this, that, everything but the kitchen sink. I'm Mike. That's Will. How's it going, buddy? It's going well. We also have some studio guests, and right now they are active and loud. So oh, yeah, they're, they're they're, are, they are down to party. Yeah, usually they just sit and hang out, but right now we are not on that. We're not on that. We're do, we're gonna do our best. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Um, I am officially retired from the pizza business. Nice. Um, Congrats. Yes. Yes. So now uh, it will be full on. Find uh, find some new employment. Get ready for the move up north, and uh, just get ready for the holiday. Yeah, and the holidays are here. Happy Thanksgiving to all, including yes. yourself. Hopefully, you all were fat and merry. Yeah, we had a we we, we were a brisket family for Thanksgiving. So, Wright's barbecue brisket. We got a full brisket this year. It was wonderful. Yeah, we we discussed this in all of our years uh, um, of knowing each other. We have never discussed. Um, our Thanksgiving foods or plans or anything like that. And you shared with the group that you are not a turkey guy. You do not like turkey. No. No. But you like chicken? I like chicken. Yeah. So you just don't, what is it about turkey that you don't like? I don't know. I guess I've never had like a good turkey. And of course, I, I had turkey for Thanksgiving like the first 35 some odd years of my life. Okay. This is a this is a last decade kind of thing, but turkey has never been the thing I was looking forward to the most on Thanksgiving. It was all the sides, and now that we have moved on to brisket, brisket is the thing I'm looking forward to the most. And the sides are still delish. The sides are still delish, but yes, I mean you can't go wrong with the brisket. Um, I've never heard of brisket on Thanksgiving, but I mean, it could be just an Arkansas thing. Uh, I don't know if it is or not. I don't know if anybody else does it. It could just be us. Yeah. Could just be us. I don't know. But hey, I'll to each their own. Again, I mean, there's there is nothing wrong with that. Um, I am a fan of turkey. Um, I like turkey cooked a variety of different ways. Um, but Kathy's sister, we always go there for Thanksgiving, so she makes a bomb turkey. So I don't try to mess with that too much. That makes sense. But hey, it's been a slow week. Um, it's been slow two weeks. It's been two weeks since we last spoke. It's you know it's it's that time. We kind of alluded to that last time as well. It's yeah. it's kind of that time of year. Everything's kind of winding down. Everybody's kind of closing up shop for the holiday season, Thanksgiving through New Year's. So yeah, not expected, not unexpected, I should say. We'll get to the news here in just a second with what little bit we do have, but let's uh, let's just start it off. Um, yesterday was Black Friday, um, which is record store day. Uh-huh. Um, we haven't really talked about that too much this in the last month or two. Um, I don't know if that's just because the list was was rather lacking, in my opinion. There was really nothing on there that that grabbed my interest um, to, to purchase. Um, I thought about going down there yesterday, didn't get around to it, um, just to see what was left over, see if there was something I did like. But looking at the list, there was nothing on there that interested me. What about you? Uh, the same. I actually, once we, we had a brief discussion about whether we went or not, and after we discussed that we did not go, I went back to the Record Store Day site and kind of went through the list again, seeing if I maybe missed something, maybe something would pique my interest, and it just, it wasn't a list for me this time around. And usually that doesn't 
really stopped me because it's an opportunity to get to the record store and check out all the other stuff that they do have. It just didn't happen this year. So no, I, I didn't go. It's probably the first record store day I've missed in a little while now, a couple yeah. of years probably um, since my unemployment, I would say. Um, I, I, you know, I haven't made a lot of record store visits this year. Hopefully I can get back to it. It's just a real expensive hobby and with everything else, children, wife, and everything else expenses our festival trip to louder than life it just didn't make the budget this year no no and, and i actually i went down to my local shop um earlier this week um and just kind of thumbed around and i, I mean even then i just i walked out empty-handed i didn't buy anything i was kind of hoping they had the new tyler childers um but they didn't have that um I was looking for the new Taylor Swift as well for my daughter, but they didn't have that either. So, you know, speaking of which, did we talk about the Taylor Swift? Debacle? I think now that you brought that up, that's the number one news item to talk about. The well, Taylor why Swift. Don't you, why don't you go ahead and take that away, talk about that, and then I will tell you about my experience. Yeah, your experience. So you actually had the experience. I, I did nothing with this. I was not involved in any way. I just followed it on the news and people around me. Um, a lot, quite a few people at work, including Trey, were going through the hysteria of trying to buy tickets. Uh, what happened was is it was a complete debacle um, by Ticketmaster, probably by Taylor Swift. I think she probably deserves a little bit of blame with this as well. Basically, everybody involved in this situation deserves some blame. You'll have, to, you'll have to mind the children because they are loud. But what has happened is that people got on Ticketmaster for the pre-sale. And who knows if Ticketmaster and Live Nation are telling the truth. They're claiming that I think it was 14 million people uh, were on during the pre-sale to get tickets. And that does not include the bots that were on Ticketmaster to get tickets, which to me, I don't like Ticketmaster telling me that bots are still infiltrating their system. Um, in 2022, they really need to fix that. That's, that's unacceptable in 2022 these days. So 14 million, they basically said, you know, they have a 52 stadium trek. Uh, they had enough people online during the pre-sale to fill 900 stadiums. Yeah. So the, the, uh, the demand uh, was clearly um, well more <laughs> uh, by tenfold uh, the demand. The demand was over the supply is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and what happened was Ticketmaster and Live Nate, they couldn't, their sites couldn't handle it. So uh, the fact that 14 million people were on, uh, for some reason, millions of people who didn't have pre-sale codes were on as well, trying to trick the system, perhaps. Ticketmaster should be able to handle that. Uh, again, I think I think they should be able to handle it. So people with pre-sale codes, they, they couldn't get on. There were constant errors, long waits, hours long waits, uh, trying to get tickets in. With it being Taylor Swift... And how many teenagers this impacts, including parents trying to buy tickets for their teenagers and just teenagers in general. People were not giving up on this. Yes. Please hold. Yes. <laughs> oh, we can't do that right now. But we'll get back to you. So people were on this for like five to nine hours on pre-sale code day. Um and then there was there was supposed to be Capital One pre-sales as well. And the thing about it is, it's not like there there was a slow rollout. Like these dates go on sale here, or East Coast is going to go on sale first, West Coast is going to go on. Sale. Everything went on sale at the same freaking time. And again, uh, I mean, what are we doing? Why? I mean, Ticketmaster understands how this works. 
uh, 52's date stadium trek and you don't know that the demand out there is going to be large and in charge. So what happened was the pre-sale was a fiasco. And when it came down for the regular on sale, they just canceled it outright. Who knows what's going on with the rest of the tickets that were available for the regular on sale? I do not know. We don't have any word on that. There shouldn't be a lot out there, but there should be some out there because the whole purpose of the pre-sale isn't to sell out the concerts. It's no. to give people the opportunity to beat bots and scalpers to gather uh, their tickets. Scalpers and bots should not have pre-sale access. It's the whole purpose of the pre-sale. Uh, but apparently this was a complete fail. And so they canceled the regular on-sale. So everybody who got out on the, on the pre-sale were basically screwed. It was just, I mean, just an F. And yeah. F and after now we got Congress out there trying to launch investigations. They need to stay out of it. They have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Most likely, they just see an opportunity here that's making news and headlines and the the uh, what is the Twitter trending topics. And they're like, let me get in this situation. I'm sure some Congress people were actually trying to get tickets, and they were met with the frustration. And that's why they're like, we need to do an investigation on this. But Ticketmaster has been doing this for many years. They just, I don't know if it was intentional. But but they failed. And yeah, like I was, when when, I, when it was first going on, I was like, "This is good for Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster loves this," uh-huh. because what what probably happened was on the pre-sale. Once people once this started becoming a trending topic and everybody started talking about it, it led more people to Ticketmaster, and so more and more people are getting on Ticketmaster. Unfortunately, the, the bad side of it is that none of Ticketmaster worked. So if you were going to try to get tickets for other concerts. While this Taylor Swift pre-sale was happening, you couldn't. You you were screwed. It wasn't. It wasn't happening. So, just a fiasco. Complete. Yeah, fiasco. it was. Um, Courtney had signed up for a pre-sale, and uh, we got a code. So, um, we logged on. Tickets went on sale at, at at ten. We logged on at nine. Got in, and we were in the waiting room, and then we got kicked into the queue. Um, when the I got into the queue, there was five hundred people in front of me. Five hundred. So we were like set. Um, we get down to about 250 and the whole entire site just freezes. It, you know, and, and I sit there for four, five hours with it still frozen. And, you know, Ticketmaster saying, you know, we're having issues. We're working on it. We're going to get it fixed. Don't log out. You're going to lose your place in line if you log out. So finally, about one o'clock. Yeah, it was about one o'clock. So, what, four hours later, three hours later, um, it moves. And we get all the way down to the next person in line. It, enter in to buy our tickets. It kicks me out. Sends me back into the queue with now 2,000 plus people in front. Of me. So. <laughs> This is probably, you know, one thirty by three o'clock. I have to leave to go pick up, uh, pick up Kane from school and I get back and I'm still 2000 people plus in front of me. Finally, I log in on my phone and I get right through the queue. So I have my laptop and my internet was slow. But it kicked me, you know, I got all the way through the queue. And so I get in, and every time that I would try to select tickets, it would say, somebody else beat me to those tickets. But in the end, 
I did end up getting four tickets to see Taylor Swift. So um, I, that was a whole day wasted on on that whole entire fiasco, the debacle. Yeah, that's now, amazing. Awesome you response, got in. In response to you know the bots and all this stuff, if Ticketmaster would change the process where in order to even get into the queue, you have to put in your pre-sale code, that would eliminate, I think, a lot of these bot issues. Instead, I don't you, know why it why they would have done it different. I always thought that was the process. No, you go to select your ticket, you select two, and the very next thing that comes on is a ticket lock screen. Yeah, it Th- was the same. not the way it was. No, what it does is it, you know you you lo- you log onto the site, you click on the Taylor Swift, and it puts you in the waiting room, and then it puts you into the queue. Now, after you're through the queue, you have to put in your code. So. You're, you know, you're sitting in this queue for so long with people that don't even have pre-sale codes. Gotcha. Yeah. So instead of doing that process after the queue, they should be doing that at the front of the queue and eliminating that process. It was the same thing for Tyler Childers as well. I tried to get Tyler Childers tickets. Nope. No go. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that, that seems like a, should seem like a really easy fix. Of course, I don't know anything about computer programming or anything about that, but yeah. Yeah. Why is- why are we allowing millions of people without a pre-sale code into a queue? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Just for them to, you know, just screw it up for everybody else that didn't take the time, you know, that, that did have pre-sale codes. But yeah, it was a whole mess. You know, I think, uh, I think pre-sales are good, um, but they need to, they need to change their process. So, yeah. And there's no doubt they had months to think about this Taylor Swift situation and they knew how many dates were going on sale and they obviously know the demand for Taylor Swift tickets. And both the Taylor Swift camp, who took no responsibility for this fiasco happening, and Ticketmat, I just, whatever their process and their planning was, was seemed to be pretty ignorant of how big her demand was, which makes no sense since yeah, it's not it's, a first stadium tour. Yeah, no, it's not. And it's not the first stadium tour that Ticketmaster has had to deal with. You know, now granted, it's not on the level of popularity that Taylor Swift is, but still, you gotta think that there are smart enough people at Ticketmaster that know. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just a simple programming issue, and I would fire my whole entire IT department. Uh, yeah, that had that happen because there's surely yeah, there is ways. Yeah, the Bad Bunny tour that went on sale last year, I think, was a fiasco from my understanding. The Adele Las Vegas residency um, had similar issues. So it doesn't appear that they're fixing it. No, and what sucks about the whole entire thing is that, again, there is no competition. There is no other game in town than Ticketmaster. So, you know. You really can't shop around for the best experience because they hold the contracts to everything, you know. So, yeah, the ironic thing about this story is that the promoter of the Taylor Swift tour is a concert promoter, AEG, who doesn't have the venues to take Taylor Swift to, so they have to rely on Ticketmaster. How, yeah, how messed up is that, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, it's just. It was very, very poor experience, and um, I don't know if I will ever try 
Not that there's any other artist out there that is as big as, as Taylor Swift um, that, that I would want to see. I don't want to go see Adele. I have no desire to see her or, you know, I don't even know if Adele could sell out a stadium like Taylor Swift. No, definitely um, not. No, there's nobody else who yeah. could do this. She's on her own. So hopefully I'll never have that experience again, but um, I definitely don't even want to try. I mean, even the, the whole Tyler Childer thing, you know, when I logged in for pre-sale on that, there was 2,000 people in front of me for that. You know? Yeah, that was... By the time I got to there... Go ahead. That was really surprising because Tyler Childers sold out the amp in under 30 minutes. And like you said, you were trying to get tickets to see him at the Armory. Also very fast sellout. I had... Of course, I'm not up to speed on my country musicians. I know that Tyler is popular. I had no idea that Tyler is so popular that he can sell out concerts instantly the way he did. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised to, I guess, to, I mean, and I hear a lot about his popularity and everything like that. Um, He is one of the more popular ones that's out there. He doesn't get played on country radio all that much, to my knowledge. I mean, I don't listen to a whole lot of country radio, but I mean, I feel like that he'd be playing bigger venues than what he's playing, and you know, obviously the demand's there. I mean, I logged on Friday at, after the preset, I mean, after the general on sale started, and tickets were going for 178 bucks for general admission. So, you know, I mean, the whole entire on-demand pricing as well, that's a whole other issue. But, yeah, it, it totally just raised the prices astronomically. Yeah, I don't like that. The d- dynamic pricing, uh, some artists yeah. defend that. Bruce Springsteen has defended it. Um, I yeah. saw a, a tweet thread from M Shadows this week uh, defending it as well, saying, hey. But to me, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense because the artists yeah. are getting a set – uh, fee as it is, right? I mean, they're getting paid $250,000 a show. It doesn't change. It, it, as far as I know, it's not changing unless they're getting some type of percentage of the tickets, which I guess is a possibility, but I always thought they get their fee, $250,000 a show, whatever it is. They don't get a percentage of the ticket sales, but maybe they do, and maybe that's the defense of dynamic pricing. All of a sudden, you're saying, all right, well, uh, I'm getting a certain percentage of a $125 ticket, Someone who buys a $125 ticket is taking it to StubHub and selling it for $1,000. I'm getting none of that versus yeah. dynamic pricing puts it up to $1,000. And now all of a sudden I'm making more money. But even still, even with that argument, you're still sounding like a real greedy son of a bitch. You're getting $250,000 up for the night. How about we not charge our fans $1,000 because you feel like it's going to go on StubHub for that price anyway? I don't know. Right, and, and who knows? I mean, obviously, you know, there there's a whole lot more behind the scenes, you know, paying your crew and whoever else you got to pay yeah. in your show, you know, to be there and how much you're really making on the whole entire thing. But, I mean, it's ridiculous to think that there are people out there that will pay, you know, like Bruce Springsteen, $5,000 for a ticket. I mean, that's just, wow. I could never imagine. There is not... I mean, that's that's half the price of my car. <laughs> you know, there's no way that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pay that much to be an artist. So, but well, I, the people who are paying that much, though, we hope are not the people like us who, with our salary. We hope it's people who are out there, the one percenters. But unfortunately, the one percenters shouldn't be changing the price on us ninety nine percenters, and that kind of feels like the way it is. 
Right. Agreed. So, besides the whole Taylor Swift debacle, um, did you happen to catch that the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame show is on HBO? I know that it's on there, but I did not watch it. Yes. Okay, well, I, I watched it yesterday. Um, all four hours of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speeches and performances and everything like that. Um, it was uh, it, it was good. It, um, there was uh, I, I don't remember who was all on there. Obviously, the people uh, Pat Benatar was nominated, was inducted. <laughs> Judas Priest, um, the Arrhythmics, Eminem, Duran Duran, Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton, Eminem, Eminem, yeah, Eminem. Okay. Um, there was, let's see, Carly Simon, who I was surprised wasn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame already. Yeah. Um, trying to think who else. Pretty sure that was it. Now, again, I'm just going to have to real quick look at it. But as I was watching it, um, it, it was surprisingly... The people that were nominated, they all sounded great um, when they performed, you know, and the rock and roll, they don't really let them use backing track or, you know, I mean, I was reading a lot of reports. Eddie Trunk was there as well. And, you know, he's a huge um, backing track guy. You know, you don't use backing tracks in live performances. Well, I can I can say that I don't think that anybody did. Maybe Dolly Parton on the uh, the new song she debuted but we'll get to that in just a second um pat benatar killed it uh, the arrhythmics annie lennox sounds fantastic simon lebon from duran duran sounded great um duran duran you know people would like to see duran after watching that performance from from the rock and roll hall of fame i mean it was really really good um eminem um who probably I don't know has has been a while since he performed live. Um, I don't think he's been on tour or done anything, maybe one off here or there. But yeah. you could tell he was struggling a little bit. He was getting pretty winded um, towards the end of it, you know. And he looks like he's got a little bit of a pooch now. So you know, maybe he's just not in performance shape. But I mean, it, it, he was still one of the greatest rappers alive, and it showed on stage. So. Um, <laughs> It was, it was very, very long, but I'm glad that I watched the whole thing. That's wild. Congrats to you for watching four plus hours of yeah. that. Yeah, it was it was long. You know, granted, I wasn't really in the mood to do anything else, so that's fine. So who was the best? Who do you think? What was the best performance? I would have to give it to Pat Benatar. Yeah. Um, she, you know, she doesn't quite have that higher range anymore. But she still can deliver power wise. Um, her voice does sound strong. She just doesn't have that upper range anymore. And she didn't even at- attempt to get into it. You know, she just stayed down there and belted out her lyrics and sounded good, looked good. Band sounded tight. No complaints. Dolly Parton wrote a rock song, you know, because she tried to back uh, out of the whole entire thing and said that she wasn't rock and roll. She didn't deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, she wrote a rock song specifically for this for this night. <coughs> out with a heavily bejeweled 
uh, electric guitar. Um, Zach Brown band was the backing band. So oh, that, really? was, that was kind of oh, cool. Nice. Cool. Um, the, she, uh, the song. Yeah. Not, not, it was name checking just a bunch of, you know, <laughs> rock and roll stars, you know, Elvis and, you know, and Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was Bruce Springsteen and John Cougar Mellencamp uh, paid tribute to Jerry Lee Lewis with uh, Great Balls of Fire. Nice. It was all right. John Mellencamp always looks like he needs to poop um, <laughs> on stage. He just he just constantly looks like he needs to uh, just need to sit down and drop a load. Yeah. Um, but it was good. The uh, the final jam was uh, Jolene by Dolly Parton. She was the last to go on. Um, so it was, everybody was up there singing. It was kind of interesting. Um, was it Brandy Carlisle? Is that she a country singer? Yeah. She was up there. Pink sang with her on Coat of Many Colors. Um, it was really, really good. Pink can sing anything. So yeah. it was it, it was overall just it was a good show. Um, I'm glad that I devoted the time to do it. Good. I was the Dolly Parton performed also with Judas Priest, right? Or was that part no. of the All Star? That was the All Star. Okay. That was the jam at the end. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but no, she wasn't on stage with with Judas Priest. Okay. But it's kind of weird to see seventy year old black leather <laughs> on stage. Um, I thought to myself, yeah, I'm glad that I didn't pay the money to go see Judas Priest on this tour because it's just awkward. Yeah, yeah awkward. Right. I might have been in a, a, a club somewhere and. Not the type of club that I want to be in. <laughs> good, Anywho, good. What other news you got? Yeah, I was going to try to watch. So Elton John's farewell show was, was this past week. Yeah. Uh, this past Sunday. It was streamed to Disney+. Plus. It's still on there, I think. I watched okay. about 20 minutes of it, and then uh, that was about it. I, <laughs> I, I, I want to go back and watch it. I do want to watch it. It was a lot of crowd shots, which was cool. A lot of people in the audience wearing their own Elton John get-up uh, outfits. Uh, it was very audience-centric. Um, Elton gave a nice speech. He was doing a, he was going into one of his songs that Aretha Franklin um, also covered that kind of helped Elton John land uh, in the United States. Yeah. And so he told a good story about that. He also told the story about his first show that broke him in the, the United States, which was at the Troubadour, if you've ever seen the Elton John uh, biopic. Uh, so I like that he was uh, doing stories uh, for the songs. So, I mean, I'm sure it's a good watch. I just, I, I made it about 30 minutes and I, I went on this different thing. So something for me to get back onto when I have the chance. I might have checked that out. Yeah. But I'll uh, show side, it. On a side note, you've been binge watching Yellowstone finally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of season three now. It's, it's interesting. We've talked about this. It's. I like the show because I like Kevin Costner. And I think the actors in this show are really, really good. I don't really like the character of Beth because I think she's a little bit too extreme. Oh, it's she's a little bit, a little bit too out there. That's what makes it great. Yeah. Um, the Cole Hauser name is, is that is that that dude? So last night while I was binging, I started looking up who all these people are because I'm like, these actors are really good, and yet I don't know any of them. Like, and sometimes that's what shows do to you: just really good storytelling, really good scripting really makes actors shine and they're doing it on Yellowstone. Cole Hauser is great as Rip um, in the show. And uh, Luke Grimes is awesome as well. So I started looking at uh, Cole Hauser and he was in Days and Confusing Goodwill Hunting. I was shocked 
I was shocked. So uh, I had mentioned, though, uh, this is like a cross of The Sopranos and Roadhouse, but on a ranch. The murder in this, the the amount of murders on this show with nobody being held accountable is just insane. Like, I don't know how big of a town, I think they're close to Billings, Montana, but they're in a smaller community, right? Yeah. And it just doesn't seem they're really doing a good job with the murder rate in this in this area. But the problem is nobody knows about the murder rate because somehow the murders are kept secret. Well, yeah, that and the, the fact that the bodies disappear. So, yeah. you know, you don't have a body, you don't have a murder. Yeah, so, so you would think there's a lot of missing person reports around Montana, Yellowstone, yeah. the ranch. You would think a lot of people who, uh, who, who are around the Yellowstone ranch came up missing. Perhaps that's something you should look into, but no. I mean, murders happen, and you just go into the next storyline. That's kind of how. Well, yeah, yeah. I know. I love that show. Um, it's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's because Kevin Costner. I mean, I think this could be the best thing that I've ever seen him in. Well, that's high praise. I will say, I'm not a big fan of his choice of voice, vocal, uh, his talking style. I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. I did read. I had to look it up. Like, why is Kevin Costner talking like this? Um, turns out he wanted to pay homage to the old westerns with this gruffy, raspy voice. And I gotta tell you, it's distracting a lot. It's, it's, it's distracting a lot, but it's a good show. I think people should definitely check it out. Uh, I think the wife is ready for my binge to be over. She's not. She hasn't enjoyed the moments. She also doesn't like it that I'm I'm completely watching it out of order. So I really have no idea what's going on with the show. It's just, it's just, I've been all over the place with how I've been watching it. And I'm, I'm trying to get back on track now. I haven't watched, I've only watched like three episodes from season one, but I'm on season three. (laughs) Yeah, you told me that. And I'm like, well, are you watching it on Peacock? And you're like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, we got to fix that. So, yeah. So there, there it is. It's on Peacock seasons one through four they're in their fifth season um, but it, it's good it's good stuff i think probably one of the best shows on tv right now um, the music on there as well is, is great i was about to say i was about to, that was my next you, you hit me you got in my brain right the music we're right, we're right there the music there's, there's, been, we're talking about yellowstone for a reason yeah the music has been outstanding a lot of chris Stapleton, uh yeah. but a whole bunch of old school country as well yeah. Uh, really good. They bring up Sturgill quite a bit. This last episode I saw, uh, I don't know any characters' names really, but uh, the the dumb guy who got that really hot girl who's like a uh, a barrel racer. She yeah. wants to play some Sturgill Simpson in the radio uh, on the radio on a, a road trip they're going on. So they're they're hitting they're hitting up the good the good stuff. Poor country. Yeah, there's some good stuff. I mean, I've heard some Colter Wall on there. I've heard you know some Ryan Bingham who is an actor on the show. Um, a, a lot of good stuff that's been on there. A lot of Chris Stapleton, like you said. Um, let's see, it's uh, Shane Smith and the Saints, I believe Shane is their name. Saints, yeah, he's in this area a lot. Uh, Coulter Wall is actually Luke Grimes' favorite artist. I read that yesterday when I was looking up Luke Grimes and his wife, who's a Brazilian model. Good job, Luke Grimes, there. But she really likes some Coulter Wall as well, and so they're big fans. So, yeah, good stuff. It's a good opportunity. It's made me want to make a country music playlist. I already have one, but I can definitely make another one. Uh, but there's probably, I bet I could find on Spotify, there's probably a Yellowstone playlist out there for you me. You know, and I've read that, but I can't find it anywhere. There's one on Spotify and on Apple. It's from the same group, and I, I can't find anything anything on that. So, yeah, we got to work on that. If you find one, let me know. I will. All right, what other news you got? 
And that's that's really about it. The the big news coming up is that, and this is uh, the last week of November or November twenty seventh. <laughs> this week, Mike, the return of Pantera. Yes. First show on December second in Mexico, Metal Fest. Yep. I have no doubts that videos are going to pop up immediately after this. I'm very intrigued to catch out some clips, specifically to see how Phil sounds, um, see how he's moving around on stage, because when I saw his performances with Down, he sounds great, uh, but he does not move at all. He stands on side, or, or he stands right in front of the mic, and that's what he does. And I'll be interested to see if he's in better shape uh, physically, and obviously everybody will be interested to see what Zach Wilde and Charlie Benante uh, sound like and you know i haven't seen rex brown in a really long time at this point um you know he's been trying to get his act together with alcohol i'm really intrigued by this entire situation they've announced about 25 to 30 dates at this point no united states dates yet but i think we're going to see some here in the next week to two weeks uh with the uh, sonic temple and welcome rockville being announced so I- i'm excited to see these next couple weeks of the pantera ramp up yeah, there was a little teaser video on Twitter. Um, I, I checked that out. It doesn't really give away too much. Just, you know, but again, the excitement is there. Um, I think we'll probably both be checking out YouTube and, and seeing if we can find clips of it, you know, next weekend. So, yeah, like you said, it's been a very, very slow week on news. Um, I actually had pulled up a site. I? Yeah. Um, not much on here. Um, Elon Elon Musk has uh, picked fights with uh, Trent. I think we talked about that maybe last time. Lesnar uh, moved away from Twitter. Elon Musk called him a crybaby. Elon Musk is just a disaster right now. <laughs> Elon Musk. Uh, I've liked him all the way up until this whole Twitter situation has been happening the last six to nine months. And he's just become, to me, a very unlikable person, um, which is disappointing. Um, yeah. And he just doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He wants Twitter not to be political, but he cannot stop making political posts. Um, and they're very one-sided with his political posts. Um, and they're not on the side that I like. So it's just been been kind of a headache with Elon Musk. Um, looking at some of the headlines here, Peter Buck does not want an REM reunion. They've they've been pretty good with that. They're, yeah. they're, they're holding true to the word. I wish they would do a reunion. I don't understand why not one or two shows every couple of years. You know, I don't see why not. It's not going to hurt your legacy. You don't have to come back and do a full tour. No, um, a couple with them. here and there. Yeah, with the amount of festivals that are out there, come and play a festival every five years. And yeah, um, off of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have. Uh, been talking about maybe going on a world tour. Who? Um, the Aerobics. Oh, okay. So that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, da, da, da. That's, I mean, that's another person. I'm. That's that's any Linux, right? Yes. Yeah. Have has any Linux done any live shows anytime recently? Probably not. I no, no, I don't think she has. She's been very very quiet. Um, I'm not really seeing anything. Uh, did you see that Black Crows in Australia situation? No. So a, a fan ran on stage. He got tackled by security. Uh, kind of got knocked off stage, but then he returned. And Rich Robinson t- took his guitar and slammed him across the chest and the head. And then Chris Robinson had his microphone stand ready to go on the attack as well. They were about to kill this dude. Um, 
they, a lot of people came to the defense, though. I mean, this is in 2022. We can't really be doing this stuff anymore uh, with uh, rushing the stage. If if it's if it's a band that's not used to having people rush the stage, you know, a lot of punk bands, um, and small crowds do this, but th- that's not for a Black Crows type setting in a lot of different bands. So, well, I think just for the safety of the artists in general. I mean, you think back yeah. to 2008 and Dimebag, you know, getting shot on stage, you know, um, you definitely, you know, don't want. You know, a repeat of something like that. So. Yeah, definitely. And that was like, uh, you know, Tom Morello in this last tour. He got tackled, accidentally got tackled, um, and fell off the stage. It's just very dangerous. It's a really selfish uh, choice and decision to make uh, when a band's up there focused on what they're doing. Another thing is that um, Guns N' Roses is also doing an Australian tour right now. And apparently the new thing is to take drones to do uh, bootleg videos or bootleg recordings of concerts. And apparently uh, it was a really big issue in Australia with the Guns N' Roses tour. And so Axel has pleaded, he pleads, it says he pleads with fans, but I don't think these are fans doing this. I think these are people looking to try to make a quick buck off a recording. It could be fans, obviously, if if you want to have a Guns N' Roses recording, I understand that. I don't think it could be a fan inside, inside the venue because, I mean, they're checking you as you come in the venue. You know, yeah, I've, I've always wondered about the drones. We see the drones at the festivals we go to, Rocklahoma and Louder Than Life, and I see drones um, up above, at, like at the Walmart amp. I've always thought this was kind of a venue or band thing that's happening. I've never really thought that this was like fans or bootleg recording uh, purposes for. I've never seen a drone video. No, I thought you know, it was just strictly for media purposes, you know, to show you know a picture of the size of the crowd or. You know, or just an overhead shot of you know the band. You know, I thought maybe it was just for media purposes, but kudos to them for if they can get shots with their own that way. But yeah, I I get the whole entire safety issue and everything like that. But yeah, I don't. uh, I thought there was something else I was going to say, but I can't remember what it was. Did we talk about was the last time we talked had Pink announced her tour at that point? No. Okay, so Pink has announced a stadium tour. She is graduating up to that. I mean, it's not a surprise she is that popular. Although this seems like something that would have happened more like five to ten years ago over this year. But yeah. you know, Axer, Ax, you know, like we talked about last year, the Chili Peppers graduated to stadiums after forty years as a band. I always thought that was weird, and Pink's doing the same thing. She's playing at Omaha. Uh, the TD Ameritrade Park, I believe is what it's called, yep. in July. She's playing Minneapolis in your area. She's not really playing in my area, so I'm not going to travel to go see her. Um, she, who's she taking out as her opening at? Rennie Carlisle's doing a, sh- a few shows. She's taking a, a, quite a few different... I think Pat Benatar is doing a few shows as well. She has a new album coming out in February. Um, there'll be a lot of acrobatics, I would imagine, for this show. Maybe some usually ones. is. Yeah, so... I imagine it'll be a, a big sale, but without it being close to me within like an hour, probably no interest on my end. Yeah, I'm just pulling it up here. August 10th in Minneapolis, August 12th in Chicago. Doesn't say exactly who's opening up though. Nah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know that uh, Kathy and the girls would like to see them. Um, but, uh, I, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, I think that's about it again, the next two weeks, 
But this is really, you know, I talked about this last time. We're, we're getting down to a lot of silence yeah. as far as music tours and festivals are concerned. But I think these next two weeks. Even, al- even album releases are yeah. uh, pretty scarce, yeah. you know, in the next couple of weeks. So Yeah, and that's going to go through like February, uh, yeah. which is what usually happens. It takes a while before music starts picking up as far as new releases are concerned. But I, I think there's there could be some good tours. And obviously, I'm going to be looking at the Sonic Temple and welcome to Rockville Festival that should be coming out in the next uh, two to three weeks before the Christmas holidays hit. And so I'm, I'm excited yeah, about and that. And that will be a telling feature, you know, for all the other DWT festivals as well. So, um, you know, it'll give us an idea of who's going to be on and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, and plus you can find tours based off of that as well. You can kind yeah. of piece, piece the puzzles together as to what's going to be happening when. And so I'm very much looking forward to it. We should definitely have a reaction show uh for both of those assuming i I don't know if they'll do them together i've I've been looking at the rock fest uh webpage as well uh to see what kind of opportunity we have there and so i was looking on uh facebook and in my memories um somebody had tagged me in a rock on the range announcement um festival announcement you know the lineup announcement like in the last couple of days so if they're gonna, if Sonic Temple holds to that model, I think it'll be any, any, any day now. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have. Right on. Well, we have some some album reviews. Some, there we go. Some very interesting ones. Um, I think we'll start with the lesser known of the three, which is unfortunate because I think they should be a bigger band than what they are. Um, Santa Sonia, um, and put out a new EP, um, called Extrovert. Um, what did you think of this album? If it... I thought it was great. Um, it's what Three Days Grace would be if they still had Adam Gontier as their lead man. Um, him and Mike are really good musicians. Uh, Mike did great things with Stain. Adam obviously was awesome as Three Days Grace. You are correct. I don't know why this band isn't bigger. They should be. This is a great EP. I didn't realize this. It was called Extrovert, so I went and did some reviewing for this. They actually released another EP in the summertime called Introvert. Uh, so I took the opportunity to go see both of them. Uh, it's a pretty heavy, grungy album. Uh, there's some really good hard rock and heavy songs. I hope this recording is somewhat decent with all this noise. <laughs> uh, but I think the opening track, Devastate, uh, to me was my favorite song. Uh, there was a, a ballad on there called Over It which I thought was a, a pretty good song as well. Their first single, Wolf, to me was actually like the fifth or sixth best song on the album. I, I thought there were so many other better songs. Um, it's a lot about addiction, um, getting past addiction. Uh, and you can kind of see it in the song titles as well. Devastate, Break the Mold, Over It, uh, Better Now, Chasing the Light. Um, a lot of drug addiction. My understanding is that Adam Gontier is sober now. Um, so it's a lot of ref- it's a reflective album, but man, I, I thought they crushed it. I, I think, and th- these guys have been a band now since 2014. This yeah. to me is is their best best album I've heard from them, and uh, it's it's interesting. We talk about their popularity and how they should be more popular than they are. I mean, they're they're going out on tour as an opener for Skillet and Theory of a Dead Man. Like, yeah, that's. That's way down there for two artists. You you look at how popular Three Days Grace was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and to an extent, I mean, not as much as they used to be, but I mean, they were the biggest band out there for for quite some time. Um, 
and it's just unfortunate that you know basically the vocalist from that was in that band you know i mean it's just they don't get to play which which sucks because it's a good album i I enjoyed it 20 minutes it's short i wanted more um like you said devastate was my favorite track on there as well so give us some more give us a nice feature length uh full length album you know just so we could you know get more yeah, well, what's interesting about Cinesonia is that uh, Mike Mushak has stated that there's a Stained album coming next year, um, so that's obviously going to pull him away, and Adam has been flirting uh, with the idea that there could be some Three Days Grace uh, shows. I don't know how they're going to do that, because the, the, the lead singer now in Three Days Grace is the brother of the guitar, so it's not like they're going to get rid of him. Um, it's pretty obvious their success has really gone down since he left the band. Even though they keep releasing number one songs like every other month somehow, um, it's just not resonating to album sales and to ticket sales for them because they are also basically at this point an opening band if there's yeah. any arena tours out there. And they're a good mid-afternoon set uh, for any festivals like we experienced. I think you were there at Rocklahoma, yeah, Rocklahoma where, yeah. where you go and see them and every single song is a banger. Uh, oh, yeah. You're singing along to every single song. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to... Um, the I don't know how many albums these guys have put out. Disturbed, um, the new album, Divisive. Um, we talked recently about bands that don't need to put out new material any longer. Um, Disturbed, I think, is on that list. Yeah. Um, nothing in this album grabbed my attention. I didn't think it was was all that great. I like the song that they did with Ann Wilson, uh, Don't Don't Tell Me. Um, I like that song. Other than that, ask me if I remember anything else about it. No. No. It's been a week and a half since I've listened to it. <laughs> you know what? I don't mind this album. I think yeah. it's I think it's pretty good. I, I think it's I think it's pretty decent. Um they are one of those bands who's on that list for sure. Um, because you listen to it for like a week to two weeks to three weeks, and then you don't listen to it. It doesn't pop up. Uh, they, don't, they don't do any ballads. The Ann Wilson song is sort of a ballad, close to a ballad, as they get. There's no cover songs on this album, correct? Right. No. Um, which is kind of a shocker for Disturbed. Um, yeah. You figure after the Sound of Silence thing, they would have found a way to hit both a ballad and a cover song again because that was the biggest song off that album. Um, you know. David Draymond, he sounds good. I, I kind of like the themes of, of some of this album. Obviously, just by the album title name, makes perfect sense. Divisive. Yeah. That's exactly where we are in America right now. Um, I, I could see some of these songs. Obviously, three or four of these songs are going to make the set list for whatever festival we end up seeing them at in 2023. Yeah. Uh, they're a really good live band. I wouldn't put it up, obviously, with their best three albums, which are their early days from right. 99 to 2005. But it's better than what my expectations were going into it. It's probably because I was listening to Nickelback at the same time. Um, so it's it's definitely heavier than Nickelback. Well, yeah. Uh, um, and so, well, Nickelback teased us. They teased us by saying it's going to be a heavy album. And then I listened to the album. We'll get to that in a second. They teased us saying well, they're going to get go into a more metal direction. And then they hit us with Nickelback stuff. And so... It, I guess when you listen to Nickelback first and then you listen to Disturbed, it's a pretty good album. Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to, it, it's going to definitely, um, it's, it's a different album. It's a different, different, 
even if Nickelback gave us the album they teased, it's still different than what Disturbed is. Yeah, I'm so tired of fans telling us the album's going to sound one way and then it doesn't sound anything like what they were talking about. We are talking about the new album from America's favorite Canadians and their favorite rock and roll band, Nickelback. The title of the album is Get Rollin'. Um, 11 songs, 41 minutes of pure, pure ear candy. Um, boy, after that first uh, that first song that they gave us, San Quentin, which is the opening track on the album. It's a banger. Gets you, it's a banger. It gets you excited. You're thinking, oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. <sighs> it's not to be. It's not to be. Nickelback is exactly who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. Yep. They are who we thought they are. And that is nothing has changed. Um, some of the songs on there, they have a good rock and roll vibe, but uh, it is more of the more poppy, slower, radio-friendly Nickelback that we've all, we all know and love. Yeah. Was there any other songs on here that you really, that you liked? Um, I think Skinny Little Missy, uh, yeah. Up Loud, is a pretty good track. Um, and Vegas Bomb, although the lyrics are r- really bad, um, has a rock and roll vibe. What I did think, and now I haven't been to a strip club in like 10 years, but what I'm saying is a lot of these songs, to me, oh, yeah. if you were to go to a strip club in 2023, you're going to hear a lot of this album is what I got from it. Um, yeah, yeah. Good strip songs, I think, for females. Uh, to do maybe males too i don't know i haven't been to a male strip club ever uh i don't really see that i don't know we're not going to go into that uh san quentin skinny little missy and vegas bomb i think are all going to be good strip songs uh strip songs in 2023 if there's a music playlist out there for that maybe i could look into that uh get that going um the the uh you know it started taking a turn i liked the first two songs and i thought all right let's get going and then they hit us with those days in high time and i was like all right i see where we're going yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, I didn't hate it. I listened to the whole thing. And and we all know that if, you know, if I don't like something, I'm going to get however many songs into it and be like, all right, this sucks. I'm, I'm done. So I listened to a whole Nickelback album in 2023 and, or 2022. We're not in 2022. So, uh, the song title by itself, Does Heaven Even Know You're Missing? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here! Does heaven even know you're missing? Yeah, how awful is that? Well, I mean, well, and the thing about that is, it's probably going to be a radio single, right? Oh, yeah. uh, those days could probably be a radio single. High time could be a radio single. I think Tidal Wave has ri- so they they got some tunes on here, which could probably be some radio hits. Now I don't know if people care about Nickelback that much anymore to where they can make a comeback. I don't know. Um, I haven't heard any numbers so far about what this album's been doing. I mean, they have some tunes that could both hit you for adult contemporary uh, radio and for rock and roll radio, and that helps you get more ears and eyes on your band. So, uh, Chad Kroger does say that he wants to be the most hated band in America again. That basically means uh, popularity. He wants to be that popular again because uh, the last decade has not been kind to Nickelback when it comes to album sales and tour sales. So, Obviously, he would like to be the butt of a joke again because it means tons of cash rolling in for him. So, oh yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. 
I'm trying to look here to see if there's anything. Oh. Are you still there? Yeah, to see if there's anything on sales. Nickelback's new album, Get Rolling, is Bro Country for Old Men. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That's not bad. Uh, I can see it. I mean, there's... They could probably play it on country radio. Yeah, I definitely... uh, I, I do believe. We'll see. We'll see because they haven't really been a festival band in North America. Um, I'd have to look back on that, but they've never played Rocklahoma, which is a stunning. Um, and I don't know how often they play those DWP fests, but I, I think this is a year that would make complete sense for these guys to be really big on the festival circuit. So Rock Fest, uh, the DWP Fest, Rocklahoma, maybe Blue Ridge, um, go out there and play in front of those audiences. Yeah, there's no uh, nothing. I can't find anything on it. Um, Hot 100. Well, as you all know, that is that just yeah, that album just came out, so it's not gonna be on the charts yet. But I was just seeing if we knew like uh, first three, four days type of thing. We'll find out next week. I think you are more. You know, I've I've got the top, top uh, two hundred or whatever. Yeah. So number one, of course, is Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Break and Twenty One Savage. Yeah. Her loss. Um, Bad Bunny is at number three. Little Baby at number four. Uh, Louis Tomlinson at number five, which is new. At number six for the ninety seventh week on the charts. Morgan, Morgan Dangerous, the double album. Uh, the Weekend, which has been on the charts for 92 yeah. weeks. Yeah, he's great. Morgan yeah. Uh, the latest Bruce Springsteen album, Only the Strong Survive, which is a soul album, co- a cover of uh, an album with soul covers. Yeah. Uh, debuts at number eight, ahead of Harry Styles, which has been on the charts for 26 weeks. Uh, the new Nas album comes in at number 10, King's Disease. Good job. So, right. Um, and and kudos to Bruce, you know, yep. coming in that high. Yeah, he'll probably be at number 138 next week. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll have to see because we're going to have to find out where Nickelback debuts because I'll, I'll be interested. In yeah, it'll be interesting to see who is higher, Nickelback or Disturbed. Yeah. Daddy, That brings us to. Brand, uh, new releases. Um, there's nothing out there. Yeah, what do we want to listen to? Maybe don't. Mean, there's... Maybe we're done. Are we done for the year? Maybe we just focus on our rankings for next week. We could do that. We can do that. Um, there is. We could also. We could check out the Bruce album. We could. We could check out the new Neil Young album as well. Okay. So go to the old guys, hey Bruce and Neil. We're, we're gonna we're going to have a throwback episode where we're going to listen to guys that are well over seventy years old. Mm-hmm. All right, let's make it happen, Bruce and Neil. Bruce and Neil. Only we should probably go Bruce ahead and have our end of the year review list. Yep. Then we will have our end of the year review list, which is going to boy, I'm gonna have to go back and do a lot of research. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, well, it's I, have a play- I have a playlist of everything we reviewed on Spotify. And I think there's some extras on there as well because I'm up to 78 albums. 
Okay. All right. Well, I don't think we've reviewed 78 albums this year. It's probably more like 50, but I, I've had to take out a lot as well. Like the Post Malone stuff we really hated, I took out. Yeah. Well, we'll have to check it all out and uh, we will get back to you on that. Of course, that'll come up, you know, here in the next couple of weeks and then we'll probably take a hiatus for the holiday. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm going to have to, find, I'll try to find a way next time not to have two children in the room with me. As we do the hey, studio, it's been fun. It's been a, it's been fun. It's been an adventure to, uh, to do that. So, but I can tell he's starting to get a little restless. So, time to eat. Note, we will close it all out. Have a great week. We will talk to you soon. Yeah. Goodbye. Look goodbye. forward to it.